Hey, welcome back to Jake Breaks and Hot Takes, and uh, we're going to just kind of, it's been a minute, so we're going to kind of ramble a little bit today, uh, trying to build off our last episode a little bit, um, a lot more stuff about us and how we viewed uh, probably relationships and, and whatnot. Now, Rich, you said you had, what, like three yeah, not serious? Not serious at all relationships, no. How, uh, old were, how old were you when you were in the house? Oh, my teens. My teens. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I haven't had been in a any sort of relationship since I was like 19. Jesus. Well, I wish I could say the same. It, it, unless you count mental illness as a relationship, in which case I've been very deeply involved with that for... Well, I've heard those are very intimate relationships. Oh, yes. So. Well, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's something. It is something. I've had, I want to say, as serious relationships go, only a few. I can't really put a number on it. Not so serious. There's a lot if you count high school those as much as you want to say those are serious those are not serious not very rarely if someone else is paying your bills it's not a serious relationship because i have found most of the dynamics really get bad when money is involved and one person is not necessarily objectively pulling their weight yeah what would you say are the top three things to make a relationship work is communication shared interest because the whole opposites attract thing They've done a lot of research. It turns out it really isn't true. What keeps people together is a shared either a culture or an experience, shared joys, things of that nature. And money does certainly help. that Because when you look at the causes of divorce, it's usually what? Lack of communication. Money. Money, financial issues. And, uh, poor sex. sexual relations, yeah. I think those are the top three right there. I would have to look it up, but I know they're definitely top ten. Yeah, there has to be. Well, communication's always the number one most cited thing. Oh, yeah, and that that's hard. I mean, it's for as easy as everyone communicates nowadays with devices, smart technology, actually talking to everyone and actually sitting down and having hard conversations with people is well, just wild. And it's, that's the it's thing. Possible, I, almost. I've noticed that it seems like most relationships... Including friendships and things, people have gone very casual where you don't discuss things that are bothering you or things like that. You try to present yourself as everything's fine all the time. See, I, I think that's a part of the whole mentality uh, thing is is that's how you do have to present yourself a lot of the time. Because we're supposed to shoulder the weight of the world and and, and then that's kind of how, how it looks in a, a very simplistic view. Yeah, one second here. Let's let's go. Okay, it, it's funny that you mentioned that about like traditional masculinity and stuff. And you're right because I've been watching a lot of stuff, and one of the big things is about patriarchy, which is a word that gets tossed around a lot without anybody really understanding. If I was listening to social psychologist, and it's interesting because the suicide rate of men in America and most Western countries have a, a patriarchy, quote unquote is four times higher than women. And I was watching a man discuss this, and the thing with it is, it's really only the people at the very top that benefit from it the most, but it's the responsibility of every man, like you say, to add order and structure under it. So all the pressure falls on you, even though for the most part, especially in lower socioeconomic classes, you don't see the direct benefit from it most of the time. You have all the responsibility of perpetuating it, with very little gains from it. Yeah, and that's true. Like, I'm, 
I, I would say I'm more of a tra- uh, traditionalist, and a lot of people really get confused with the word of what a traditional is, and um, they think, oh, the woman is going to be home cooking, cleaning, wiping your ass, and that's that's really not exactly what it is. It's it's the appreciation of it. It's the fact that okay, hey, yeah, you went and worked all day, but at the same time, the man still was going to come home and do work. And it's just not like, oh, like, use the dishes downstairs right now, for example. It's, she did the dishes this weekend, and I was like, I am so happy. I'm ecstatic over it. And it's not something that it's not like she never does them. It's just, I came home and something like that was done. That's a stress off of me. That's one less thing that's on my shoulders as a responsibility to do. And uh, that that's why I, I, I think it's the traditional uh, way is a lot better than the new way of thinking of just trying to do what, go out and be casual and do whatever you want because there's no responsibility in it. There's no accountability. Well, and I think, too, with you and what's really important is you and her communicate a lot as far as she has expectations for you, you have expectations from her, but there's an actual respectful conversation here of, hey, these are things that would help me out. These are things that you can do for her and vice versa, whereas I think a lot of people conflate traditionalism with a lot of the more problematic behaviors back in the day like you know spousal abuse yeah. or using finances as a control mechanism where it's like you can't leave because I won't let you yeah exactly and I think that's that's created a really bad uh, stigma like dinner um, me and Taz we were um, fussing at each other a little bit uh, the other night and um, it, we've made an agreement there is no no more screaming there's no yelling if one of us is literally just can't handle the conversation anymore we go we just tell each other and and it's now it's like hey you know what give me like 30 seconds i'll come back to this it's funny because my grandparents back in the 60s and 70s when they first got married they were young they were in their 20s and they fought like physically threw mugs and things at each other (laughs) and when they had my mom and uh, my uncle they realize that's that's not a good environment to be raising kids. You can't be physically assaulting one another all the time. So they read this book, The Art of the Debate, and it's exactly what you said, that sometimes whenever you've been having this argument for a long time and you haven't reached a, a conclusion or resolution, it's very important to take a break, gather your thoughts separately, come back to it and try to find a peaceful discord. But that requires a lot of respect yeah, and that's a lot of things people don't have nowadays, and that's really a big factor, and that people don't respect each other. I mean, they'll screw each other, but they don't respect each other. No, and I've noticed it seems like a lot of times people want the superficial benefits of a relationship, like you say, access to sex and things like that, without the responsibility of you're sharing time, life, and assets with another person and without the communication and the respect, that dynamic can get very unhealthy very quickly. Yeah, it definitely can. And like, um, like whenever I argue, get into, an, I don't even want to call them arguments anymore. It's more just it's a discussion anymore with me and Taz. And in the past, for me, um, and I still do it to this day, is I avoid if it's something I'm not good with or something that immediately try like frustrates me. And it comes from being in my previous relationship, and. And coming from school, from being bullied and all that, and it just, if I can avoid it, it doesn't exist. If I don't need to talk about it, it doesn't exist. And that's something I've always carried with me, and that's something I'm working on currently. Because those things are where I get frustrated, and then Taz does like to push, 
And then, uh, you know, eventually it boils over, and then it's just like, what the fuck? And then I start really just, I shut down, I get quiet, I just tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. And, and we're both, we're, I mean, we've been together over three years now, and we're, we're still figuring that stuff out, but it's what's working for both of us. And that's just speaking from my side. Her side, when I shut down like that or just tell her what she wants to hear, it's more like it's her way her ex would control her. And it makes her scared. It makes her nervous. And she needs that affirmation of like, so that's where we get on two different ends of where we're going. We're not really going anywhere with the discussion anymore. And we're both shutting down. Well, and I think this is a really good time to discuss because you guys have much more experience than this because you've had your relationship. You're both trying to have a healthy relationship, but both of you have had very bad and abusive relationships. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Before this, and I think this would be a good time to kind of talk about how do you try, because I know it's very, to use it, but kind of like a flashback almost whenever you might see behavior that even though Tabitha's not trying to act like your ex, you kind of read into that. So how have you guys kind of been able to, to talk about this in a way that's like, I know you probably didn't mean to do this, yeah, but it, this... It's almost similar like that, and what was, uh, what's was what been really cool about it is... As I, I don't is speaking openly. It's a very difficult thing, but just speaking openly from a point of no outside influence, which means you really have to kind of separate yourself, and that's the uh, hardest. One of the hardest things to do is I, I got a bit more of an advantage than she does, just because of being a firefighter. I was able to compartmentalize and just deal with one thing at a time. So like. Anytime I see, sometimes it's like some behavior that she, like my ex did, I let it slip last week. And um, it's just, uh, she, I felt like she was, I was being put towards into a corner. Eventually, you know, you put someone in a corner, they're going to, you're going to fight back. And I, I said something incredibly mean, and I just, I can't remember what the argument was. It was so in, 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 insufficient. And, but I was being pushed in a corner. I was trying to like, hey, stop, we need to, we need to talk. And that's where she's trying to get over, not, I don't want to use overzealous, um, where she's like, oh, she was going to start shutting down if I started avoiding it. And I said something incredibly to me. I said, oh, this is, you're acting just like my ex-wife would act, and this is bullshit. And she's like, I'm not your ex-wife, yada, yada, yada. Just like, I'm like, I'm like, then I'm like, I tried, oh, it's a learning opportunity. I can use it. But I was able to switch gears almost immediately. But it wasn't the time to switch that gear. It, it, I made a mistake on my end. But the big thing is we're both willing to admit these mistakes to each other. And try to build and not redo the same mistakes over, and that's where we're ha- we have more discussion now. Even though there are, some of the discussions are really hard, and I think that's good because I know part of the reason I've been very hesitant in relationships is one thing I noticed in my late teens when I started interacting. My parents didn't have the best relationship, and you always tell yourself, "Oh, I'm never gonna do that. I'm never gonna to be that person." But then you realize when you you go into your bag of, "Okay, well, what am I gonna model this?" And it, you think back, you're like, "Oh shit, the only relationship I have, have ever seen modeled is this," and I very much saw the, I was repeating a lot of the same things. And that wasn't going to be healthy. Yeah, you know, I actually, I told my dad, "I'm never gonna get. I'm gonna get married." I'm going to get married once as he got married three times. And now I'm divorced. And at first it was like, that is one of the reasons why I try to keep my relationship going with my ex-wife. 
like, oh, I'm not just going to make it work. I'm going to make it fixed. I'm going to make make her know she's worth it. And that is another big issue a lot of people run into is they put someone on that pedestal. They don't mm. put them on the same level as them. No, or realize that this is a behavior they're choosing to do and nothing that you do can stop this behavior. Because, no, you're right. A lot of people get in relationships and they see something that's kind of stereotypically like a red flag or something they don't necessarily like. And they think to themselves, well... This person, they're almost perfect if they could just stop this, but you can't fix a pattern of behavior in someone else. And if they don't view it as a problem, they're never going to change. Yeah, exactly. And uh, me and Taz also had this conversation, too, about um, I, I told her uh, one thing I did learn about my relationship with my ex is never put a, uh, a woman on a pedestal. And... Um, I've me and her had that conversation. I told her, like, I'm not putting you on a pedestal any higher than what you put me. What you put in is what you get out. And um, it, it works really well for us. And it keeps us on equal terms. It doesn't have anything to do with money, emotion, manipulation, or any of that. It's, I would, it, it goes back to the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. Well, And I think that's the, the one thing with the, the whole pedestal analogy that people don't understand. They're like, oh, you know, because I think a lot of times what you're talking about is mutual respect and you two are both partners in a relationship as far as equal footing, equal communication, at eye-to-eye, kind yeah. of the stereotypical old eye-to-eye thing, whereas a lot of people say, I'm not going to put anyone on a pedestal. What they really mean is, I want a servant that is going to do everything for me no matter how I yeah, treat and that, them. And that, as, a, as a man, that's very toxic too. And then even on the flip side, the man putting a woman on a pedestal to the point where the woman's not going to appreciate that. At first, yeah, the woman's going to love it because she loves the attention, loves the validation, after a while, oh, this guy's no good, he's not good enough, he doesn't make enough money, he doesn't do enough for me, and then that, then that all becomes hatred. And coming from the man's side, going, oh, I want, us, I want her to cook clean and uh, do that and the other thing, it would be nice, but it's, again, it's just a reverse. And what people need to find is that healthy middle ground, what works best for them. And I think a lot of it is just the communication and realizing that you're two individual people and certain people are better at certain things. And in a relationship, you should be able to complement one another where each of you can do things the other one either doesn't like to do or can't do. And it gives you both a better quality of life. Whereas it's kind of like the stereotypical nice guy thing. Oh, I'm a nice guy. But what you mean by that is I expect sex by treating you with basic human kindness. Yeah, exactly. And like even if you, uh, like, I'm a nice guy. I know that. I'm, I'm not assertive. I'm not, like, full-blown so-called alpha male. I'm none of that stuff. I'm, I'm a nice guy. I am able... I do have issues putting down boundaries. It's something I'm currently working on. But I would never have made these steps without Taz going, hey, you have some issues putting down boundaries. You have issues for speaking up. I, um, my buddy John just came here last week. He needed to throw some stuff away. His um, current girlfriend is uh was with him and he called up i just got back from florida man and uh he calls up i just sat down for 15 minutes and he calls up hey do you mind if my girl uses the bathroom and um i made him i should have just said no right then and there and like dude you got 200 acres there's a place down the road i should have just said that um and i and i said yeah sure whatever came in taz was upset over it she was very peed off and um, I, I realized what the situation was. I just didn't know how to act. Is I never had to act. I always was 
avoided it or I just people pleased and let it go. But I, I was happy on the fact that I saw it. I said, okay, cool. I, I'm recognizing it. The next step now is to act on it. And um, me and her had, a, that was another discussion me and her had. She wasn't happy because she felt like, we just got home. Don't don't bother us. Well, and you both are kind of homebodies as well. And I know with uh, Tabitha especially, she very much enjoys her little bubble and her space and being <laughs> yeah. able to curate the people that come into it, which is good because she doesn't have problems with boundaries. But I know exactly what you, you're talking about because me... I've always been very one of two sides. Either I'm excessively polite to somebody because I think that's going to get what I need, or I just go full-on nuclear the other way if I, I think that's going to get me out of the situation faster and I'm trying to get better at more appropriate responses to things in a context. You know, you can't always threaten to kill somebody over a perceived slight or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And the worst part is sometimes it's not, it's not even the fact that it's a perceived slight we're thinking in a different way and they might be like hey man whatever it's cool don't worry about it and a lot of people don't understand that either is that just just someone walks up to you say hey you know what that's a nice jacket you got doesn't mean you go and break their legs because you think they're going to steal your jacket yeah no and you've got to try to separate interactions you may have had in the past that that went poorly or that were traumatic versus like you say the context of today sometimes it's just like hey I, I like that and it's not the situation where someone said that and they might have tried to steal your stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, um, I was just having a truck stop uh, this this weekend. Um, there was two trucks trying to get parked. It was a real tight tight place. I The traffic was getting backed up to the road. Trucks trying to get in and get fuel. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm more of a guy. I'll wait it out. Let them do whatever they need to do. That way it's less drama for me getting out. One got parked. One finally got turned around. The one that got parked was just barely even getting into a spot just putting in real slow the or the driver behind me came up to my window started yelling at me it's like aren't you gonna get going and whatnot and I was like he's already parked it why don't you start moving I was like I'm waiting for him to finish because I hate to rush people you want to make sure you get your, your rig in there fine and you don't want to damage nothing and I know what it's like to be rushed at that with that stuff it's like you, you rush you make a mistake and um the guy started, um, it was nice and it was okay at first till he started cussing and then, because I, I was like, you know what, man, let's let him park, we'll, we'll all get moving at the same time, not worried about it. And he's like, you need to move your fucking rig. I was like, and then at that point, I was like, you know what, gloves are off, man. I'm like, go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. You don't know nothing. And But at that point, it's no longer, it started off as a good, as a, as a good conversation. But then it quickly transcended into where I had to be aggressive. Because he started being aggressive. I'm, I'm going to respond to how you're responding. Well, not just that, but we both know this. Trucking, it's a very rough class of people. It's not bad. There's money in it and all that. But it typically attracts people from poor areas where that's usually how we communicate whenever, you know, poverty is how big you look on the block or yeah. trying to set yourself apart. And it's great when you can communicate and have a, a discourse with somebody and hopefully your words make... A difference. Yeah, because I've met other truckers out here. Um, as at the fuel pump, I was talking to a guy. He's getting ready to retire in about a year, and fit guy. He's not. He's not big, but he's not like overweight. He's like your average guy, and he's over there just like, hey man, how you eating out here? How you uh, how you drinking? You make make sure you eat eat healthy, and he's and he's adding a value, making sure you get your head like head on right. We were just having a uh, nice conversation, 
just I was like, man, you look pretty good for yourself. <laughs> I was like, man, I eat one sandwich a day. I I make sure I drink tons of water. I make sure I I walk. I was like, man, I'm I'm eating protein bars. I'm drinking my water, and it was it that entire conversation was a very positive outlook. Yeah. And uh, the really cool thing too is, uh, but jump back on the whole story with John real quick, is when he was in here, I I already, I did tell him, but my voice went from this to something very low, and it didn't show confidence, it didn't show power, and it, it really sucked, and I didn't realize it. Taz had to point that out to me, and um, I told him I was like, dude, there's 200 acres here, and I'm using this little kid voice, and I didn't even realize I went to that, and I'm like. That right there tells me I don't got the confidence. I can talk a big game, act like I'm the biggest on the block, being out there in a truck. But at, on the home front, I'm like, I am not confrontational. Well, and I think, too, you know this guy. Whereas it's it's easy to tell somebody you don't think you're ever going to run into again to fuck off. Or even if you do, you're both truckers, so you're both on the job. It, it's a little different than when you're trying to maintain a relationship. Because I know I have... A problem myself in that being trying to how do I put this I guess not really wanted to rock the boat with people that I, I deal exactly. with a lot because sometimes it's just easier not to but it doesn't necessarily give you the desired result in the long run yeah I mean with like John is a very very handy man I mean he, he can literally build a house from the ground up knows how to all the ins and outs he pretty much fixed anything that has a motor and moves. And I don't know a lot of that stuff, or I have a little bit of knowledge, but he has so much more knowledge than I do. He can fix a lot more than I do. He's very similar to my dad in that regard. Anything he touches, he can fix. So, and I'm like, well, I need to keep that relationship open between us instead of just start cutting thing off, things off at the knees because if there's something here I can't fix and I can't get my dad down, I need another resource. Yeah. And I know I have a difficult time without it. It's easy when you either don't need somebody for something. And, and to add on to it, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, but, no. but uh, me and him, we are not around each other a lot. So we're still very different from one another. We don't really know a lot about one another. But because of what we need from each other, we have that partnership. And, and that makes it a little bit tougher. Now, me and you, we know each other. I mean... We mean you can go back and forth all day. At the end of the day, we're still good, great friends. I mean, I just bought you an Xbox, so, you know, I mean, that. True. I mean, I'm going to be enslaved for you for the next fucking six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no. but between us, though, we know each other well enough where we can get rowdy with one another. Yeah. We can be like, hey, Rich, fuck you. Yep. And you're just, you can sit there and say, Zach, fuck you. Well, I mean, we just, it, it took us like an hour and a half, but we mounted uh, a TV over on the wall, and that was very manly. I felt very good about that. It yeah, was, I mean, we only missed, what, three times? Three, yeah. We, we, yeah, I'm just such a stud myself that finding another one is difficult. I, uh, you know, game doesn't always recognize game. Yeah, that way it is tough. Sometimes it's a little bit of a bored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but big parts, too, though, is like... E yeah, there's toxic mentality out there, but there's also weak uh, mentality, and and um, it takes a balance. Because sometimes you do need to be that toxic male, and times you need to be that. Well, you need nice to defend yourself. Guy. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to it's really boundary setting, and if you can set 
a boundary and let someone know that you're not comfortable with their behavior verbally, that's great. But unfortunately, sometimes if they're not listening to that, you do have to have that pushback of, exactly. look. And even if you put that boundary yeah. out there, or like I told John, hey, man, I miss, I already miss, made a mistake of in the beginning of that conversation of saying, hey, don't even come in the house. We just got home. I didn't put that boundary on there. And then um, a, a few days later, it was nagging me so bad. I, there's a way she acted in my house. Oh, I told her, I, I, meant, I told her straight out, do not allow her back in my home again. Well, and, no, because... And she, so she was snooping through the stuff we brought in. She had her nose in the air acting like she was better. And, and I hate to say it, well, I'm not really, but she's from McKee's Rocks. It's McKee's Rocks trash. I mean, that's, I mean, she's she's collecting welfare checks, man. Yeah. She she ain't making money. She ain't hustling. She ain't she ain't working to better herself. And um, and I, I feel bad for John on that, but but he, even he said something like, like oh man, it must have been nice to go on vacation. I'm like, yeah, I I can afford to go on vacation because I saved for vacation. Well, not just that, but how many hours a week do you usually work on top of everything else? Is it like 50, 60 hours? I average sixty hours a week. Yeah. So, you know, when you're working that much, you need a vacation, too. Otherwise, you, working that much, you'll kill someone. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> Easily. No, your, your sanity starts going. I remember when we used to do peak season delivering for Amazon, and we were working 60 hours a week downtown when they were still finishing, figuring out the mapping. and That was the worst. Oh, my God. Triangles and squares and all this stuff. You can't forget the obtuse yeah, yeah, seriously, the, the, the trapezoid where we went in a box and then we went in a square because... Yes, because, cause, you know, that's yeah. just how it, yeah, you were able to get downtown and go into the street that was in front of you, but you had to go left, left, right, left, right, straight. Oh, God, yeah, all the one ways, all the one ways. Yeah, no, but, oh, my God. <laughs> I bet you were happy you were partnering with me that day, those days. Oh, you, a couple of the other guys, someone that knew it, because, me, I, I never paid attention. I'm so glad I wasn't a driver, because I'd have been fired. It would have <laughs> been terrible. I'm sure there been a few bodies on the road. Oh, it, but, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> going one way down the wrong side. But with John, I missed, the first chance I missed was putting that boundary in place. The second chance, second thing is, when I, I told him and I had that little voice, he was able to push me around. And, and I took it, because... I didn't know how to react. I didn't have that confidence. When I said, man, you got 200 acres, it was such a soft voice. It was like a little kid. No, and I'm always, I'm slow to confrontation because I know it can escalate very quickly. And then I was bullied a lot as a kid and uh, physically roughed up. I was a small child. But I learned that if you escalate faster and you are more violent, then most people will back off before they can really hurt you. So I still, even as a grown man, and this is why I try to avoid confrontations, when the adrenaline starts going and the person isn't back up, in my head, I'm not just in a shouting match here. I'm sitting here going, when's he going to swing? What's going to happen? Am I going to have to kill this person? Yeah, exactly. And it gets to be very fight or flight, and I don't like being in that situation. Because I want to be a more positive person and to be more constructive and helpful towards people. Be, lean, lead by example as far as work on the things I know are a problem for myself and, and try to be a better person every day. And it, it sounds great and all that, but then every time I, I get put into a situation of confrontation that doesn't de-escalate with words, I, I start feeling that fight or flight and like my life's 
at risk here. And I do. I start flashing back a little bit to the similar situations that have happened to you and how those have ended. And I get, I'm very quick to, it can go bad quickly. I feel you. That's um, I, I blame biology on this, <laughs> um, and genetics. And uh, I don't know if it truly is or truly isn't. But um, between me, my sister, and uh, my brother, we oh, how can I put this? Um, it wasn't even a drop of a pin. We needed to go off. Anger was the first response. It, very first. It was naturally the. I've broken so much stuff because of anger. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, okay, now I can't use this. But it's just, that's what we knew for the longest time. Like, it, my brother's anger is so bad, they shipped him off to, uh, to military school. And I don't think it really helped him, but that's besides the well, point. No, it doesn't. It's like my family. But now he's very um, pacifist. And, yeah, you can be pacifist, but you need to still have that ability to have that authority to go, this is what's going on, put that foot down, and have that respect as a man at the same time. So, in one way, we're, we were too far. We were on the angry, you can say toxic masculinity scale. And now we went from there, went all the way over to the blue pill, which where I was with when I was with my ex-wife, on that side of, oh, I'll serve you, I'll take care of you, I love you, um, whatever, I, I will do all I can, show you how much I love you so you love me. And now I'm coming back more towards the middle. Whereas, yes, I'll do things to help Taz, I'll do things to quote-unquote, you know, serve her or whatnot. But in the at the end of the day, she still respects me, I still respect her, and she does things for me all the time, and I do things for her. Well, and I think that's the big thing. Neither one of you are taking advantage, whereas when you don't set boundaries, the only people you're going to attract are people who are going to take advantage of you and not give back the level they receive in a relationship. And that's very draining because... You're doing the work for yourself, but also the work for this other person. And most of the time, not only are you not getting anything back, whether it be you know money or even emotional support, but they're actively trying to manipulate you into this subservient position so that they can use you for what they want. Yeah, and then what happens is that whenever you keep going down that path, you end up being a shell of who you were. And then to begin with, you really don't know yourself that well because it's not a lot of people critically think about who they are. And they don't take that separation. It's a hard thing to do. But um, what what was I just saying? Um, but being able, being coming to shelter your person is horrible. And I, I went through that. And um, it to me, I had, when I got out of that relationship, I mean, 10 years, it's a long time. I didn't really have that great of a support system. Yeah, I had my dad. And then I had my buddy Jesse. And it was... Jesse talked me off the ledge a few times from mass murder because I was going to burn the entire furry community down to the ground to nothing and relish in that, in that fact. And um, for two years, though, I really had bad behavior, man. I, I drank, I did drugs, I was having sex with anything that moved, and um, it was my way of coping because I didn't know how to cope health in a healthy manner. I didn't know, like, oh, maybe I should just go to the gym, work it off, get maybe some better friends. All I knew was how to work, drink, party. Yeah. And, do you've done a lot uh, of research into actual psychology and trying to understand why you did these things. And I know you helped to encourage Tabitha to finally start talking to an actual mental health professional. And I think that's another big thing 
that's very stigmatized, at least here in America, is if you have to see a therapist, something must be wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. Especially for men, too. Like, because then, then you're seen as that we- you're weak, you're broken. Right. You couldn't just somehow pull yourself yeah. up from the bootstraps yeah, exactly. and just keep Suck going. It up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry. You keep on hitting your, brick, your head against a brick wall, you know? Yeah. You have a pattern you of behavior. You didn't it through yet. Yeah. No, and uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, we're talking, but the, the big joke with podcast is, you know, men don't go to therapy, they start a podcast. True. And when we were starting, you know, thinking about doing this, that was one of the big things I wanted to emphasize is because I have had to have professional help and learn to deal with things. And it has helped immensely having someone outside of myself be able to just gently tell me, you know, you keep saying this, that, and the other, and this is the result of that. Have you ever tried to think on why that is your first response to something? And it helped tremendously in to identifying what makes me act this way, what feeling or what emotion, what situation keeps causing me to act in a certain way that isn't beneficial to myself or anyone else. And that was hard. The first six months when you're processing this and trying to do different things and establish a healthier pattern of behavior for yourself, and that's another thing, you cannot do it for somebody else. No one else should try to force you into something. The only way that you can truly change, whether it be for a positive or a negative, is because you want to change. Yeah, and honestly, like um, I've run into this issue. I'm starting to realize I've run into that issue with my brother. Is that I I see where he needs to change, where he needs to be able to, in a, in a, in a word, in a couple words, man up, um, and really just lay down the law, and he doesn't know it and I'm trying to tell I'm trying to inform him but at the same time I'm also I feel like I had to go to these extremes of examples to really drive the point home and I, I don't know if he's listening to me because when I go to those extremes it's an extreme right well, and I think a, a big point and we're not going to get into details because we do respect his brother's privacy and all that has just been that the relationship dynamic between him and his significant other has not only always been bad, or at least the way we see it, manipulative. Yeah. But the relationship continues to break down, and boundaries that were implied that his brother is not okay with these kind of behaviors have not been respected at all, and on top of not being respective, yeah, they're they're actively undermined. And... and Yeah, and then... um, And then... You know, I'm going through divorce. Whenever I went through divorce, it was uh, it, it was rough because at first, I my first thing was, oh, I need to fix this. And it was before I even knew she, I got cheated on, so I kept on trying and trying. And then um, one day, I just asked her out of the blue, and I was able to make go from that like that first step of trying of I guess it's reconciliation, yeah, to straight up. Because it's the same grief pro- grief process. So what is the first step? In grief? Denial. Denial. You okay. deny that so it happened. So I was denying it at first, and I was like, "There's no way. There's no way. I just got to treat her better. I got to just give her more money. I got to take care of her better. Make sure she's not working as hard because I know she's stressed. I'll take care of this." And I finally asked her one day in, in the uh, kitchen and went, "Are you cheating on me?" And she just responded to me, "Yeah. I don't know what it, what the big deal is." immediately right there and there was no more denial for me I stopped 
and it went from denial to hatred. And I still carry that hatred. I that's why I try not to talk about her. I mean, she just it's infuriating because I went I did all this stuff to try to make you better, try to make you healthier, make make you the best person you can be, and you just stepped on me like I was nothing. And I think do you think maybe the anger comes more from the fact that you feel like no, an idiot almost. Yeah, I, I felt. Yeah. And I think this is a good thing because men seem to always feel like we have to fix something. Yeah. And I think some things we can fix. There are some relationships that you can have a bad argument. You can say things just like, you know, equating Tabitha to your ex-wife even though she doesn't exhibit normally. Yeah, exactly. It, if it, Never. And it was just because I felt like I was backed in that corner. Right. And, and you go I back to, to that. And I think going back to like your ex-wife, this might be a good chance to talk about this. Do you ever feel like from the beginning the relationship was healthy? As far as maybe, I, I'll frame it this way. Do you think you as a person should have been in a relationship at that time or maybe spent when I some time at work? her, no. Um, my, my mindset was, I, I at the time I didn't have a really good relationship with my dad. I met her at a freaking, um, I think it was... Um, Ozfest. Oh, that's yeah. I met her at Ozfest, man. That's that's yeah. Twenty six thousand people. That I I was going to try and hook up with her. So yeah, I got her number that night and we we talked for a little bit. And um, the school year started, so that was finished my last year in high school. By December, I had just enough clothes to last a week, and I was gone on the weekends. I was already moved out of my house in December. The day I got my diploma, I was gone. So that's it. I was more worried escaping the situation I was in because I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. And um, that's what propelled me into that. And then I didn't know I was in a bad relationship. I did not know it was manipulative. I did not know I was being abused. Well, and I think there's an element of codependence because clearly is the real impetus here was, you know, you and your dad's deteriorating relationship. and We didn't talk for five, six years. Yeah. And it's just instead of trying to look at yourself, and I get this because it's, it's much easier when you, you meet someone who at least gives you attention, and even if it's not positive, you feel a sense of togetherness, mm -hmm. as opposed to it's very hard whenever you have to look at yourself by yourself and realize these are beliefs I hold or patterns of behavior that I continue to do that I'm going to need to change. And uh, I'll tell you the other thing, too, is um, one thing I never learned growing up as a teenager and into my 20s is what are your boundaries? What do you look for in a person? What are you willing to or not willing to accept? And I was never really taught how to date. Hmm. I never got the talk, you know, the bees and the birds, uh, or whatever the hell it is. I never got told, like, oh, this is be a cracker, wrap your whacker. Um, I never got told any of that. I was never told like hey this is, might be a healthy relationship and I can get it from my dad's side because he never got that talk he never got I mean my grandfather and my grandmother 4.15 every day I can time it like a freaking clock they would start an argument in that living room downstairs at, at 4.15 every single day didn't have to be about nothing but it was from 4.15 to 4.45 I can tell you that like every day Monday through Friday and I think this is the thing because, I, and I've talked with a lot of my friends because some of them have started to have children. And one thing, just like 
what you're saying with your dad didn't know because that was the pattern of behavior model towards yeah. him. And the thing was, that's not it wasn't the thing that was really out there in the open as much as it is nowadays with what is healthy, what is not healthy, the mentalness, mental yeah. help out that's well, as prevalent as it is. And it's just, you know, we can't choose our environments, and a lot of times it, it would be easy to blame your dad. You know, it, it's always nice to be able to point the finger like, you're the reason that this happened, and yada, da 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 Oh, yeah. But it comes from just, he didn't have the tools to deal. Yeah, I'll, I'll use this as an example. On my wedding day, I didn't pick, this is how dense and dumb I was, I was and how absorbed I was into Sierra, is on my wedding day, he asked me multiple times, I mean easily in the hundreds of times, are you sure you want to do this? And I kept on saying, yes, I'm sure this is what I want. And I know that was his way of trying to communicate with me, hey, you don't, you shouldn't be in this. But I didn't know any better because I was never taught beforehand. Right. And, and this is I what like, you do. But he's like, he was trying to give me that lifeline. I'm like, let's get the hell out of this. He's like, we don't need to worry about the other crap. And I, I wish I would have taken him up on it because it would definitely change the uh, trajectory of my life a lot sooner. Yeah. And, and it, it would just would have been for the better. And I wish I understood better. And it's not it's not my dad's fault that I didn't know this. I didn't take it upon myself to educate myself either. No, and I know I have uh, one friend that her and her husband both come from broken homes and, and bad things. And when I talk to her, because they have two children now, her biggest goal is not perpetuating the same trauma and the same behavior patterns that got her mother in trouble, that had uh, you know a negative effect on her life and things of that nature. And it's hard to be mindful of that because, too, when you're in it, it's just normal. I mean, that's what your parents do. That's, yeah. that's what you think is normal. And it, it's hard to be objective and look and see... Well, this didn't get, like for me, for example, my mother, her life did not go the way that she wanted it to go, and it's caused a lot of friction as she's gotten older, and happened to be realistic with myself, and, oh, well, I'm basically a clone of my mother and how I handle things. Yeah, since and, I met your mom. Your yeah. I, like, I, I can handle your mom for a little bit, but I, I tell you, you, you put me in there in the house for a week, I will go mental. I don't know how you haven't gone full mental. Well, you know. Well, and again, you were between episodes. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it's fun to laugh about now that things have gotten better, but I, there are times whenever you, you've hit rock bottom. It's funny because I, I hear addicts and, and people talk, there's no one rock bottom. Rock bottom is really when you decide for yourself, I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of, I keep coming back to this place. I need to figure out why do I keep acting in such a way that I always end up back here. And um, another thing, too, to add on top of that is that, yeah, people may do have multiple rock bottles, but it turns back to something my chief has always said to us, and, and it was always something we were, and um, well, he's my late chief now, he's since he just passed, is we find a way to the bottom, and now we, it's usually us joking around, but it, it still holds true. We find our way that we dig ourselves to the bottom, and then we find another way to dig even deeper somehow. And usually it's always was with us joking and then just going another football field down that hole of, of just being horrible oh, people. Yeah. But it holds true even with the uh, with being an addict, because you do oh. hit multiple rock bottoms. You find a way to dig deeper because you're not ready to make that change. No. And this could be anything. This could be uh, avoidant behaviors. I don't want to deal with this 
or that or the other. So I just continue to live in such a way that it never um, it never stops. You're, you're right. You do go deeper because you want to avoid that behavior and you want to distract yourself and you don't want to look at it. So you don't take the job that will pay you more but might add more stress because you can't handle it. Yeah, exactly. You've got so much stuff, you know, so many plates spinning and you don't want to drop anything until you realize that those plates aren't getting you anything. That behavior or the memories, the trauma, the whatever. And yeah, and I'll, I'll even use my sister here um, Here before we start wrapping up. is um, My sister got her first promotion in her entire life. My sister's 32. And she's, I mean, she's still somewhat dependent on the government, but she's finally making those strides to try and better herself. And now she's starting to have real goals. And um, when she told, she called me and told me she got a promotion, I was like, I'm like, I couldn't believe it because I was like, I thought, because she is in the environment to perpetuate the same cycle over and over. And now she's starting to make that change. And she's the only one in that family. She has the hardest challenge out of between me, my brother and me. She has it the worst because she's still in that environment. She's trying to change in that family will do everything in their power to destroy her to make those changes. And that comes back to the people you have in your life. Yeah. And but that's something we should I want to elaborate on our, on our uh, next episode. Yeah, I think we've we've kind of been rambled, but I think we made enough good points that we can call this one. Oh, so. definitely. Um, and we'll definitely be exploring them a lot deeper as we it, it, this isn't just we don't know a lot of the technical stuff, a lot of the definitional stuff. It's just these are what the things we've felt or what we have come to an understanding yeah. of and, and what we think maybe just everyday people like us are, yeah. are feeling and dealing with. Yeah, and we are going to try to actually get research in here and, and some actual hard facts and not just our experience. But sad reality of it is it takes a lot of time and both me and Zach are actively trying to do a lot of things and it... it yeah, we've got a lot of those places. Yeah, yeah it, it gets very difficult to meet up, but... Thank everybody for listening. I hope, you know, if you got one good thing out of it and we helped improve your day, that's what we're doing this for. So uh, tune in next time, and uh, thanks. Yeah, have a good day.